Good morning. It is Monday, December 14th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now for the first time ever by Keith Niebuhr, Auburn reporter for our 24-7 Sports Auburn site. Keith, I'm glad to have you on. We waited until Monday morning to do this, so this episode will be up soon because we didn't know if Auburn's coaching search was going to be relatively quick and we didn't want to do something Sunday afternoon that was going to be um, irrelevant by Sunday morning. But I think I'm bearing the lead there. And the story of the day is that Auburn fired Coach Gus Malzahn after eight seasons, record of 68 and 34, buyout of 22 million. I could get like five other people on the podcast to talk to me about why Gus Malzahn got fired and what it means and, and who who the Auburn should go after and hire. But I wanted to get you on because you your specialty is recruiting and the earliest signing day is in two days. And I just think this is a really fascinating culmination of events. So I'm going to start by asking if if this caught you off guard and then I'm sure it sent you into a, a bit of a tizzy on Sunday trying to text every single Auburn commit to see what in the world they thought about this. Well, first of all, I got a little beef with you, Trey, because you, this is the first time you've had me on, like you said, and it's, it's now. It's it's after all this happens, okay? You, you bring me in now, all right? I mean, you know, to, to encapsulate all this stuff that's, you know, circling around Auburn. But no, uh, seriously, we were not that surprised at, at 24-7 sports. I mean, different people within uh, our network to cover Auburn had heard murmurs for a few weeks that it was getting closer and closer and closer. And quite frankly, by last week, it was almost imminent. Uh, so there wasn't much shock there. And credit to Philip Marshall, our longtime uh, team reporter, I mean, this guy's covered Auburn for like, I mean, since John Heisman was the coach. I mean, like, you know, I mean, he's been, he's been doing it forever. And here's the thing. When you have stuff like this happening, Trey, we'll get into recruiting in a second. But when you have stuff like this happening, it's great to know people in the building at the athletic department at any school. But the truth is only a select handful of folks actually really know what's going on in a situation like this. And who are they? President, AD, high money people. If you don't have a relationship with those people, you're not going to know anything because there's a reason why they're successful what they do. They know how to keep things quiet. They know how to make sure it doesn't just permeate through an athletic department. But Philip uh, Marshall, having covered all the bases with his sources, was well aware that this was probably going to happen. Uh, so it did not catch us off guard. And I don't think our readers were caught off guard. But uh, recruiting wise, yeah, it was. Um, it's always a hectic day when something like that happens. You're just trying to you know, first of all, sometimes, Trey, you reach out to kids and you get a hold of them before the coaching staff even gets a hold of them. And they're confused. They don't know what's going on. They haven't been reassured by anybody. And that was the vast majority of the guys I talked to yesterday. Uh, really caught off guard those guys because coaching staffs will never say, hey, we're getting fired. I mean, and quite frankly, coaching staffs being in that athletic building, oftentimes are the last to know they're getting fired. I think they were not aware that this was going to happen while even though others uh, were but uh, the kids are saying all the right things right now uh, either hey I'm firm and I'm going to sign on Wednesday or you know I love Auburn but I do need to kind of wait and see and hold off and, and and figure out what's going on now the tricky part is you know if you if you're a kid that's not an early enrollee well you can afford to wait it out you can ride it out till February and if Auburn's where you want to be it could work work out still but if you're an early enrollee and signing day is just a few days away and you're going to be at your new school in January, that's where it gets really tricky for a young guy. And people can question, rightfully so, why make the change at this time with signing day right around the road? It's really not fair to these young guys. Um, 
and and you can debate that all day long but if you want to make a change you got to make the change when you want to make it so i mean it's sometimes you're going to suffer on the recruiting trail but the the goal is that the long term uh, is that the program is you know moves to a better spot but you will take a hit and in fact some of their top targets have said i'm no longer signing wednesday i'm going to wait till february well that allows other schools to get involved in the mix almost every commit and target i talked to yesterday uh, and this morning, Monday morning, have all been reached out to by other schools. Uh, one of them, uh, an offensive lineman from Florida, Garner Langless, had 15 different schools hit him up yesterday. Uh, one of them, a, a four-star offensive guard, Jaden Roberts from Houston, said that Arkansas had hit him up before Auburn had. And so that's where it gets really tricky. These guys want to be at Auburn. Both those guys, by the way, say they, they intend to sign with Auburn on Wednesday. But um, this is the school that's recruited them. This is the school they've gotten close to. They've fallen in love with. But, you know, what do I do now? And so it, it's it's really hard for them and their families. So this class, this 2021 class, I was surprised to see it, Keith. 12, 12 players committed as of Monday morning. Ranks number 42 in the 24-7 sports composite team recruiting rankings. They were lined up to, to maybe get five-star linebacker Terrence Lewis and the defensive end George Wilson. I don't know if that happens now. Even if they got a new coach, Keith, it, it, let's let's say they got Mario Cristobal, like that that class rankings. There's there's not enough time or enough left on the board for that thing to become a top ten, right? So it doesn't. It's almost it, the timing doesn't even matter here. Like it, it's not a good class anyway. So a couple things to to keep note of here is that one, while they have twelve commitments, they also have two graduate transfers uh, that that are committed. Now, will those guys stick now? Oh, well, that's a big if. I mean, Grant Calcaterra, former all Big 12 tight end from Oklahoma, and Eric Wilson, an all Ivy League offensive lineman from Harvard, those guys look like year one starters at Auburn if they go there. They're committed. So while they're not on the board in terms of numbers, because we don't count transfers, we don't give them a rating and a sign, you know, they don't count toward a ranking, they do count toward guys that would play next year. And again, probably year one starters if they pick Auburn. So impact players. Well, Half the guys you sign each year may never start, right? So theoretically, in terms of numbers that we use to, to put, up, put together these vote tabulations for, for a ranking, uh, they don't count. But in reality, they're guys that, that would be impact players. So, uh, so it's a little tricky there. Also, they have a 15th kid, Oscar Chapman, who's already starting for the team. Well, how's that possible? He's a punter from Australia, Trey, signed with Auburn in August as a blue shirt, which means he doesn't go on the roll as a – scholarship guy listed until this class so theoretically even though he's already on the team he doesn't count tell these numbers so that's a guy that's already starting by the way for the team so that's really 15 guys uh but secondly you know one thing i want to point out trey and i go on and on and on and i'm sorry you, you'll probably fall asleep here as we record early morning but listen listen here's the thing fans can't have it both ways and so they say well wait a second it's our record that's why the recruiting class is 42nd other people say well, it's the negative chatter. Well, it's not an either-or thing. One leads to the other. And so recruits, you asked earlier, who figured this might happen? Well, I'll tell you who thought it might happen. Opposing teams. And those opposing teams have been using that very heavily against Auburn on the recruiting trail. Okay, this guy's not going to be here. The staff might not be around. And that really impacted all. Remember, they were in the top 20 just a couple weeks ago. And a few guys, a few guys that were committed, a couple four stars, Caleb Johnson, an offensive tackle from Florida, flipped to Notre Dame. Armani Goodwin, a four-star running back from Hewitt Trust Bowl in Alabama, decommitted. That's a top 100 recruit, Armani Goodwin. So they were in the top 20, poised for a top 14, 15 type finish. 
So why do those guys decommit? Well, one, Caleb Johnson loves the, the offensive tackle tradition at Notre Dame. That was going to be a tough one to hold on to. But Armani Goodwin, you know, I mean, that's, you know, negative chatter, new schools recruiting you, all that stuff. That, that catches up with you. Now, they could still, again, get Goodwin back in the class. But it was never going to be a great class because the negative chatter about the program started after losses to Georgia and South Carolina earlier in the season. Now I'm not defending the staff. I mean, they lost those games and the Georgia game was horrible. Uh, They got blown off the field. And then the South Carolina game was embarrassing because that was a team that later fired its head coach. So yes, they lost those games, but it's the negativity that follows after that. You put those two things together and that's when the class really started to, I don't want to say unravel, but started to look like it wasn't going to be your typical Gus Malzahn class. And I need to point out, Trey, and in, in, since he's been at Auburn, um, which is 2013 until yesterday, his worst class was 12th. He'd been inside the top 10 all but two years. He finished 11 and 12th. Every other class was in the top 10. So they know how to recruit, but things were really starting to catch up to them. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, every other year there's Gus Malzahn hot seat talk. I'm glad you mentioned his, his best and worst classes. Like 12 is twelve's the floor, but Keith doesn't, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I went and looked like last year was seven. Like that kind of seems to be the ceiling. And I just want to like get frank with you. I've always kind of felt for you. Like you, you cover Auburn. To me, there's no, there's no reason Auburn shouldn't, you know, every once in a while get a top five class. You can tell me if they have, but in a world that the SEC recruiting seems to be dominated by the Alabamas and the Georgias, I always feel like we kind of forget about Auburn who just kind of wakes up out of bed and gets a top 10 class every year. I think that could be a little bit higher in your perspective. Is that possible? Or is that the, do, do, do things need to change? They have to make the right hire. They got to get more money into the facilities and all of that. Um, what, what's your, what's your outlook on that? Well, first of all, nobody should feel sorry for me. I'm lucky to cover Auburn. Okay. It's a great program, great fans, all that stuff. So again, fortunate to cover Auburn and, and look, Maybe maybe fifth, sixth, seventh is the ceiling. I don't know. I mean, look, they're they're up against a lot of things here. Okay, University of Georgia, flagship university for that that state, which has so many prospects. Alabama, a couple hours away, national power, winning national titles about every other year. Uh, south of that, you got LSU to the west, Florida to the east. I mean, yeah, they've got a Clemson, by the way, which your know, Clemson's rise happened right about the same time Gus Malzahn got to Auburn that added one more team that you used to not really have to worry about. Right. Okay. So you put all that together and I don't know who could have recruited much better at Auburn, but that said, I think, uh, I think Trey that they need an alpha dog recruiter as the head coach. I believe that firmly Uh, doesn't mean I'm right, but that's what I believe because I do think that with a few things happening at Auburn, the time right now could be there. This, this could be the good time the right time, the perfect time for Auburn to maybe take that next step. Now, why do I think that? Well, for starters, Nick Saban, as unbelievable as he has been, has not, it's not going to be there forever, right? Okay, uh, so you have that. Then you have the fact that Auburn is building this new athletic facility that will be done in a couple of years, and a lot of money is going into that. They believe it will be, when it's finished, the best one in the country. Now, I'll believe it when I see it, and I'm not, I'm not doubting them, but everybody says that, but you want to see it, but – uh, listen, in the 80s, when Auburn said they were going to make their stadium the best in the SEC, they did. Okay, they did. They at one time had the best stadium in the SEC. That's not the case anymore. But Auburn will put money into these things. So I think, I think you know, their potential is certainly there. And then location, Auburn's sort of one of those schools that's in the middle of nowhere. 
but in the middle of everything at the same time. It's so centrally located. And also, historically, Auburn has recruited South Florida so well. A lot of those kids want to get out of there, want to get out of sometimes unfavorable situations. Uh, and, and Auburn's like a Shangri-La to them. So there's a lot of things working in Auburn's favor. You're right next door to Georgia. A Kirby Smart's a machine, uh, but they've got to figure out a way to, to win more head-to-head battles with him as well. So, you know, who's the right person? I don't know. We'll see. But I don't, I don't necessarily know if number one recruiting classes are in Auburn's future or even in Auburn's potential, even in its, in its range. But uh, you should be in the top 10 every year. And then it comes down to trade difference makers. I mean, Clemson, how many number one classes have they had? You know, none. But they've had the difference makers. And some, some decisions on the recruiting trail. And I'll tell you something, Trey. You'll, you'll find this amusing. I was playing golf with Gus Malzahn. Uh, I got to throw that out there a couple summers ago. And I did I just bludgeon him both times on the course. But, uh, but he, and I should point out Jason Caldwell, who works with me, did too. Uh, he was off to the side. And I was chatting with Gus Malzahn on the green. And, and we were just talking about regrets. And he said his biggest recruiting regret, and you'll love this one, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson down in Florida. I think what was it, Boynton Beach High. I knew his high school coach, who was actually my high school coach, a guy named Rick Swain. So hard to believe that I, I would have known the same high school coach, Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson loved Auburn, and, and, uh, but he threw at Auburn as a young guy, and they just weren't impressed. And they never took a run on him until later on. And by then it was too late. They already had another quarterback in the class. And you just think, well, gosh, that really changes the arc of Auburn's program. If you sign Lamar Jackson, that's look, hindsight's 2020 for every one of those, you have one that you took a chance on a guy and you, and he turned out to be great. I mean, it happens both ways, but that was his biggest recruiting regret. But just imagine if, if Lamar Jackson comes in, you know, five years ago, how does that change everything at Auburn? And, and it very well could have. That's that's so fun to think about because Auburn's been trying to look for its next Nick Nick Marshall for such a long time. And well, listen, I mean, so Lamar Jackson really liked Auburn a lot. They also finished second for DeAndre Francois, who went to FSU. Hey, maybe that was one where you're glad you finished second, right? Uh, but but Lamar Jackson ended up at Louisville. He had a real link to Louisville. It's kind of interesting. One of the assistant coaches at Louisville was a guy named Lamar Thomas, who I went to high school with in Gainesville. When Rick Swain, Lamar Thomas, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson's coach where he worked in the 80s, 80s and 90s. Rick Swain was the coach, okay, football and basketball guy. Well, Lamar Thomas ended up being an All-American receiver at Miami and then became a college coach. Well, at this point in time, he then lands at Louisville, and who does he go to? His old high school coach who's now working in South Florida, and he says, hey, I got this quarterback you need to take a look at. So they had that link to Louisville through Rick Swain, the coach's former player, to land Lamar Jackson. So they might not have gotten him anyway, Auburn, but had they have gotten in on him a little earlier, had they have said, no, then this is a guy we definitely, definitely, definitely need to get. There's a lot of people that think that he ends up at Auburn. And again, with his running ability, you're right. I mean, Nick Marshall was good. Lamar Jackson, otherworldly good. Yeah. Gus could still be the coach. Keith Niebuhr, follow him on Twitter at Keith 24 seven sports. It was fun to have you on. I'm going to let you get back to work. I know it's a crazy busy time of the year for you. Do, do you, ha- do we have to? Yeah, no, I know we, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Our producer's name is Lance Glenn. He's going to have a lot of fun putting this one together. My name is Trey Scott. We'll talk to you all on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.